Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best QB in the league right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does it! Stop it! Oh, please! What a cat! That's insane! You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the normal Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Todd and Billy Boys. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. And uh, we're back. A little bit longer of a break after a uh, Thursday night game that you know, we're all all looking forward to watching the Packers, and they did not come out as hot as one would have thought. But uh, God, what a you know, it, it's it's like you know, this is the second loss of the year. We're two and two now. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season we'd be two and two, or asked if you know we'd take that, I'd be like, I would take two and two. Yeah. You know, this is a whole rebuilding year, so it's like. Okay, got to take everything with that grain of salt. But Packers lost on Thursday night, thirty-four to twenty to the Lions. We are now second in the NFC North. Um, God, I don't know. I, I guess we don't have to really dive into the rest of the North because we kind of know the Vikings are dog shit and the Bears are dog shit as well. The Bears blowing that lead. I wasn't paying attention on Sunday, <laughs> but least least surprising Bears game I've ever seen. <laughs> I I knew they'd blow it. What was it? Was it like seven to twenty, or was, they had like a twenty point lead? I think it was twenty eight to seven. It's once again one of those things where you can't like. I try, you know, I'm I'm lame, and I'm like, you know, the Bears kind of saved the Packers back in the fifties or sixties, whatever the hell it was. That I feel like I can't trash the Bears too much, but it's like it is actually sad how terrible that franchise is, and especially the way they've been handling the Chase Claypool thing, who we almost traded for last year, and some fans were upset that we did not trade for him, and I don't know. Then the Vikings, they finally got their first dub. I don't know if you guys have any real thoughts on the NFC North, I guess, but... I mean, uh, there's worse divisions to be in right now. This is a division that we could still win. I mean, granted... The low T Packers probably aren't coming out against the uh, <laughs> the Lions, but yeah, unfortunately. But if As there's someone... a division, I mean, this is the one, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yes. Well, this and the uh, there's another bad one. Who's in the AFC? There's another bad. Is it the the, it's South. the AFC South? Yes, that's a okay. bad division. That's, that's the, the one. South is yeah. awful. I was going to say, as someone who uh, graduated from a university in the state of illinois i am more than happy to trash the chicago bears <laughs> yeah sure because uh, if you were there too how did um the because you must have been in school for the 2010 nfc championship game how did you watch that uh i watched it at one of my friend's house okay they had packers bears trivia at halftime Ooh. I knew every single question, and they asked <laughs> me to em. leave. <laughs> did they actually? Yes, but you they did. Leave. <laughs> I did. Oh no! <laughs> so, so then I went went back to the dorm and watched it in my buddy's dorm room. A couple of those guys, and then uh, 
when Sam Shields had that game clinching interception, I ran up and down the hall screaming like a <laughs> madman. And when I got back, they told me with the straightest face they could that he had fumbled at the end of the play. And I went like white as a sheet. I was like, oh, oh no. my God, you got to be kidding me. And they were like, no, we're kidding. He lost it, but he was down by contact. Ha, huh, so funny. It's like, guys, you do not joke about that. <laughs> There's very few plays I remember from that game, but it's Sam Shields high pointing that pick. It's BJ Raji's touchdown. Right. And then Aaron Rodgers chasing down Brian Urlacher. That's it. Like there was not many plays. It wasn't it like 17 to 10 or some shit. Didn't we open with a naked boot on that one too? When we got down in the red yeah. zone, we had that we went naked right, boot. That was right fun. down the field. That was yes. fun. And then after that, the offense did like jack shit the rest of the game. BJ yes. Raji though. Yes. <laughs> Legend. Absolutely. That's still one player. I know we talk about Sam Congato a lot, but I really do wonder what the hell BJ Raji's up to because there's been like no news since he retired mm-hmm. in 2014, 2015. Did he officially retire? I thought he was just like on quote unquote sabbatical and he was going to come back any year now, right? It never sounded like, I, I mean, I don't remember for sure, but I never felt that great or optimistic about him returning to the team. But anyways... Speaking about optimism, <laughs> we're going to talk about this game. Packers lose 34-20 to of the Lions. We'll break down the offense, the defense a little bit. We'll try to streamline a little bit this week because it was a you know few days ago, and it's a loss, so you don't want to talk about it too much. For take news, we will talk about Matt LaFleur and something that you know we've kind of talked about in the past as well, and everyone's talked about a little bit this week, is is he too nice, or the way I like to say it, is he a little too loyal? We will have a new segment, which I might have a drop for, might not, for Dumb Packer Twitter shit of the week. We'll talk about, um, we almost talked about it last week, but fan stuff at Lambeau. We'll talk about the beer being thrown on Amon Ross St. Brown and the whole gold package fiasco going on. We'll have Is Kyle an Idiot some Packers trivia, and then we will preview the Lions game. But first, let's... Go over this loss to the Lions. Again, we lost 34-20. to 20. We're now second place in the North. I had a bad feeling going into this game. When when we talked about the preview and everything, the Packers were getting 1.1.5 points. And then even up to kickoff, it jumped up to 2.5 points that the Packers were getting at home. And I'm like, Vegas, most of the bets were on the Packers. And the fact that the line moved the opposite direction... I was like, this isn't good. Vegas feels pretty good about the Lions. And sure enough, they came ahead pretty early. Um, To sum up the Packers right now, Zach Cruz put this tweet out, which I know everyone loves me reading on the podcast, but I thought this sums up the team right now in the mindset that we should be in. Quote from Zach Cruz, stats might be for losers, but I feel like every single meaningful stat metric describes the 2023 Packers. Well, they are two and two. 0.4 in point differential, 17th in PFF grade, 21st in DVOA, 16th in scoring percentage, 17th in pass rating, 14th in opposing pass rating, 19th in points points allowed. Just a league average team that beat a bad team, split with two other middling teams, and got beat by a good team. This Packers start while a roller coaster ride is frustrating at times, just feels right, question mark, as expected, predictable, Funny when reality meets expectation, and I think that is the perfect way to put it. If you would have asked me to start the season, you know, if we would take two and two, I would take two and two for this team. 
But yeah, it uh, didn't look very good in the first half. I kind of liked the rally in the second half. Defense kind of looked like shit. Offense, you know, didn't look very good at the beginning. A lot of bad down and distances. And Jordan Love trying to play from behind and under pressure wasn't great. But opening thoughts, Todd, what did you think of the game? Um, yeah, we definitely looked like a little bit of a soft team there, which I think a lot of people had predicted just based on last year's, you know, end of the season game. Not a whole lot's changed on that end. I mean, I think we do have some athletic guys that are, you know, maybe, maybe can turn that around a little bit as the years go by and maybe we continue to draft some hard nosed guys and maybe that does change a little bit. But as of right now, the identity of this team is not tough. I mean, no, I don't think anybody would say that. It's this is not a tough, hard nosed team. It would be great if we could get there, but yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't know that it's anything that's a surprise. You know, there's nothing crazy about it. You would have liked to see us be a little bit more consistent. I feel like we're shooting ourselves in the foot week after week with these penalties. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Outside of that, it's it's sloppy, soft football, and that you you don't win those games against a Dan Campbell team, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot to say other than that. It's just it's sloppy and soft. Yeah, nobody likes anything sloppy and soft. No, definitely not. <laughs> I think my complaint is, I I expect us to be more competitive in every game. Like if if we would have come out and played a decent first half, we're down at seven. Detroit pulls away, wins by two touchdowns in the second half. It's a completely different feeling around Packer Nation and on this podcast, but because we came out the way that we did, just completely flat, uninspired, sloppy, soft football, like you just said, it doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence for some of these other teams upcoming on the schedule here. Um, not to say we can't win those games, but you know we're going to need to see some changes. I was, I was most frustrated with just the lack of complimentary football. Right. I mean, the offense just... I questioned the play calling. We barely gave Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon the ball. They had 10 carries between them for the entire football game. It felt like LaFleur let it get out of hand a little bit in the first half. We didn't pick up our first first down until midway through the second quarter, and that was on a defensive penalty. (laughs) Like, let's... I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the defense played great, but, God, the offense just did not do them any favors in the first half. Yeah, and like you said, complimentary football, it really was all phases, especially starting slow. Um, The Packers' first four possessions, the first possession, they got sacked on the second play. Uh, Second possession, sacked on the first play. Third possession, uh, what was it, a holding? Yeah, it was like a holding on the third play. And then the fourth one, Rodgers, love threw a pick. So, you know, there was just... And it's not like... I don't know. It, it's obviously not good, but it's like it reminds me of last year where it's like these stupid little mistakes where yeah. all you have to do is just correct these things. And I thought Jordan Love did hold onto the ball a little too long at times. But like you said, the penalties, the sacks, the just, I don't know, knucklehead mistakes that seem to the happen. Miss, the missed blocking assignments up front. That offensive line was a mess in the first half. Yes. And I don't know. It's little things. Like you said, I wish we would have came out a little hotter. You know, it's like the way we came out in the second half was halfway decent. You can't be too upset with that. But it's like consistently this seems to happen with these Matt LaFleur teams. And the next question, and we kind of talked about it there too, is this is the fourth year under Matt LaFleur. And what identity does he bring 
to a football team? What does he bring to an offense? I don't know. We're year four in, and it's almost like how he tries to find these weaknesses on an opposing defense where the offense just doesn't have the strength. The strength that we've had under Matt LaFleur's offense was Aaron Rodgers throwing to Devontae Adams, you know, where it was just one of those things where, you know, when if it's third and, you know, five, Devontae and Rodgers are just going to find a way to make it happen. And I don't know how much of that, is, you know, Matt LaFleur isn't too involved with that. I thought 2019, a lot of things were schemed open, but it's tough to feel like this team has a solid identity on either side of the ball. I don't know. I think Rodgers was the identity. I mean, it was certainly Rodgers and Devontae. And then last year, without Devontae, we complained all year about how, what are we even doing on offense? Are we running the LaFleur offense or are we running the Rodgers offense? And now we're running the LaFleur offense, but I'm still not sure what it is. Is it to have a strong ground game a la a San Francisco? Is it to get the play-action pass going? We certainly can't hang our hat on the defense like, say, San Francisco can. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and it's... Well, sorry. But what I was going to say, one of the things that I still remember from Matt LaFleur's like, opening presser when he was hired as coach is how he wants to run the ball and pass the ball off play-action. And again... This is year four, and this is a game where Aaron Jones didn't touch the ball until we were down 24 to three. Like that, I know he was on a pitch count, and I think the first play of the game was like a little screen pass to him that he dropped. But either way, it's like, what what the hell are we doing here, Todd? I, okay, so I think I'm, I, yeah, I'm critical of Matt, but I, in this area, and I don't think we have an identity either, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for this reason. You had Aaron Rodgers, who played judge jury and executioner for the first four years three years what was it and then now you've got a rookie quarterback essentially who hasn't like he doesn't necessarily who knows i don't even want to say how he's running that offense i don't really care how he's running that offense he's got lowest completion percentage in the league yes matt needs to run the ball more Uh, maybe that's not going to be the identity but what i will say is i keep hearing week after week They're scheming guys open. Everybody that watches this, everybody's watching that the all 22 is saying, hey, there's open guys on the field, right? So, like, it's not – I'm just giving Matt a little bit of credit in the area of, like, he may be a good offensive mind, right? Like, I'm not writing him off on that. I don't like the way he at least presents himself, what we see as his leadership. I don't, yeah. I don't love that. I think it's soft. I think, and we've been critical of other head coaches before on the defensive coordinators. It's like, I just don't understand how you can let your D coordinator suck for so long. So there's plenty mm-hmm. of critiques there. <clears throat> I will say, though, you got Aaron Rodgers. He was the offense while he was there. Like, that was, he was, he was the GM. I mean, he was literally doing everything in Green Bay for a few years, right? So I don't really like knock trying to so much least, for that. Yes. Yep. Came away with two MVP t- seasons two doing that so i mean there's other things to talk about there but i think at the same time it's like let's give matt a little bit of time here to come up with an identity at least for his offense that defense i don't know what you do with that defense you i do know what you do you get somebody else in there that's what you do and matt lafleur needs to grow a backbone in that aspect and can the guy i mean so i don't know that's my thoughts on it yeah, and that's kind of the issue that I said going into this year where it's like, yes, I like to think I'm an optimist, but it's hard to be optimistic when you know who is calling the plays on on defense. But uh, 
yeah, I, I think we can just move on right over to the offense. We talked about Matt LaFleur a little bit there. We are still 10th in the league in points, scoring 25 per game. We're 27th in yards per game, which isn't very good. We are 29th in yards per rush, averaging 3.3 yards per carry. And then we're halfway decent throwing the ball. Like you said, we have a 32nd ranked completion percentage, but we're also, I don't know, right in the middle for sacks, INTs thrown, and passing yards per game. But Jordan Love, I don't know, obviously not a great game. He had his highest completion percentage uh, since being named the starter. He was 23 for 36, 246 yards, one touchdown, two picks. He was sacked the five times, which is not very good. Had the nice bounce back second half, which, again, it's, it's tough because it's hard to judge a guy, you know, his fourth start, but you're viewing him as the franchise quarterback. Tough to stay grounded, but thus far into Rodgers' first year as starter, he did have that three-pick game against the Bucks. so Love only having a two-pick game, it's like, eh, it can't be, can't be too pissed, and it's nice that he showed that moxie in the second half with that short little comeback before throwing the pick and a couple of those runs he had. It seems like he has a really good connection with Romeo Dubs. It's one of the main things that I think you could take away from the first four games of the season here. Had a really nice deep throw to Jaden Reed. Um... And then uh, again, he had that, that like rush may not have actually getting... counted. Probably shouldn't have counted. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. How the uh, clock ran out, and apparently that isn't challengeable. That's interesting. I you just assumed it was sure. the same as the play clock, but yeah, they obviously dissected it there, and it's not when it hits zeros. It's zeros. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny how yeah play yeah the play clock they let it ride. The, the play clock is the rule is that you have to like see zeros and then look at the ball. But yeah. as I, far as, like, the quarter, apparently that's not how it works. Which I I don't understand how, like, you're supposed to know that it hits zero, but have, the ball hasn't been snapped. But I have no idea. I don't why, know. Why is it different? Why isn't it? Why can you not challenge it? I mean, you can yeah. challenge if there's too many men on the field. Like, it should be pretty obvious if the clocks are trip if the clock is at triple zeros before they snap the ball i mean i do like having those goofy rules though where it's like the ref looks down at the ball and looks back up at the clock and it seems like with rogers they'd have it would be a double take at least because he was was given the benefit of the doubt but yes either way that play probably shouldn't have also uh, if you're the lions just defend it then if you're like you know what i mean right. like true there you go you still i like a, that i, I like mean, that attitude. i'm just saying i mean if <laughs> yeah. i don't know um and then, yeah, like I said before, the first four drives, we were sacked on second down the first drive, first down the second one. And then, oh, that's what it was. After two running plays on the third drive and it being a third and three, uh, Jordan Love did miss a wide open Romeo Dubs on that crosser. And then the next uh, series, he threw the pick. Um, he was sacked a lot. A few were his fault. Um, I don't know. I think early on, but he did settle in and he was a lot better in the second half. Even still getting pressured. He was pressured on. 47% of his dropbacks, which is wow. Kansas City-esque. Um, first multi-pick game, like I talked about. And the other thing I would say is he does throw a few hospital balls, which uh, <laughs> Rodgers kind of got away from. But it's like those two first throws to Aaron Jones. He just got walloped. But either way, still pretty positive also, on Jordan Love. Yeah, The pitch, I mean... Write the option oh, right out yeah. of the playbook. I mean, Aaron yeah. Jones almost got killed. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I was just thinking of that when you said hospital balls. That was a hospital ball. Yeah, it was a it pitch, sucks but... The option plays, I still think, are fun, but they just... They're fun in college because they work. ...have not worked. <laughs> they don't work. There's a reason they don't run the yeah. option, the triple option in the pros. You just don't do it. 
Well, right. and to run it every game, it seems like so far too. It's like how Just many times about. do we need to run it before we realize, you know what? Let's maybe cross that one off the playbook for a few weeks here, Matt. And then Matt was asked about it too in one of the pressers after the game, and he said, "Yeah, we didn't have a very good look for that." And then the media asked, "Was like, well, do you have a can play for that?" And he's like, "No, we don't have cans for every place." And then they were like, "Well, do you how how many what do you have cans for most plays?" And he said, "No, most plays we don't have cans." So I don't know if that's something that they changed this year. I think that's got to be a bluff. He's got to be just maybe saying that very if well. You're not could getting be. the look like. Call timeout. Just change the play to a dive up the middle. Well, no. That's what I was going to say. It's just audible to something else. Well, hey, we got to remember calling timeouts in the first quarter when you don't need to is also a complete sin as well, like it was last year with Aaron Rodgers, which I never really got everyone getting pissed about that. Um, the other thing I'll say about Jordan Love, you know, he plays kind of loose going along with that. I think he literally does play loose. He's almost the way his legs are which we've talked about in the past so wide all over the place his arms all over the place it's like you literally need to wind him up like a toy doll or something so that he's a little bit tighter on all I'm his so joints confused. on you're his, saying on, he's on like the legs flappy arms. arm thing at a car dealership or what yes kind of sort of yes and I'm his so legs. confused he runs like a normal person uh i mean <laughs> he did almost do the splits against the saints and his turf his, though that's some, that horrible grass turf that we need to get rid of that's what that was the culprit that was at home. That was at home with grass. I'm saying grass. Have, I'm being facetious about. Okay. We needed to all be carpeting. <laughs> okay. But either way, do you guys have any other thoughts on Jordan Love and his performance in this game? I think we're just getting the pic. The, I think the picture of Jordan Love now is like flashes. You know, he has drives where he looks really good, but mm-hmm. he is inconsistent at this point. I mean, that's my take on him right now is he's inconsistent. Fair. I, I thought. I thought this was the worst game that he's played all year, and I don't think anybody's going to argue that. That first half, he was uncomfortable in the pocket. He was missing throws. He was turning down throws that he needs to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, The second half looked better. I know he was pressured a lot, but, I mean, you got to believe that Detroit's playing defense a little bit differently up 27-3. to Right. Early in the third quarter than they were, you know, midway through the first. So... Yeah, he looked better in the second half, but I just don't know that Detroit was maybe going all out, you know, 10 out of 10 on defense like they were in the first half. They were probably trying to protect the clock a little bit. Sucks, too, for him because that line did him no favors. And they weren't None. even blitzing. I None. Mean, yeah, was it was tough. like rushing forth entirely, which is not that's good. That's tough. Yeah. Let's be honest, that's probably why that line turned. Once it became clear that Bakhtiari's on IR, he's not coming back, Elton Jenkins wasn't going to play. Like When you're down half of your best offensive linemen, you're in for a bad time, especially against a front like that. Yeah, not good. Um, and I would say through the four games, the biggest concern I would have with Jordan Love, Jordan Love would not be the completion percentage, but if he can play under pressure. Obviously, right. that's something that young guys struggle with, but the first time he really had to deal with that this year, he didn't have a ton of success. Good uh, news is he doesn't look rattled ever. True, which is So that's weird. the good news. It like is I almost, I almost want to see some emotion out of him at times, but I like how he yells at like Lyman when he gets hit, but it, it is like he is kind of just a robot like Romeo in all those moments where it's like straight face until... He- even Rodgers, for like, he kind of had like a reputation of being like cool, but like a little arrogant, whatever. But like, he would get rattled, right? Like, yes. he he would get frustrated. It didn't necessarily affect his play a whole lot, but like, Jordan Love's never rattled. 
Yeah. Uh, visibly. True. Uh, moving on to the running backs. Once again, not a very good game. Aaron Jones, five carries, 18 yards. A.J. Dillon, five carries, 11 yards. Jordan Love had two for a minus two. Not a lot to talk about. We obviously wish Aaron Jones got the ball a little bit more. They had a couple uh, throws to him, too. A.J. Dillon just blah. I think the best way to sum it up is this tweet from Justice Mosqueda. Jordan Love, A.G. Dillon, and Aaron Jones had longs of 9, 6, and 9 on the night. The rest of the carries combined for 3 yards. Many people are saying that's bad. That is really <laughs> fucking bad. Uh, the other thing that... Back to kind of the coaching type deal. With Aaron Jones back in the lineup, Patrick Taylor was not moved up from the practice squad, and Emmanuel Wilson did not see a single carry. So it was once again... Back to just the A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones show, which I obviously don't agree with. Um, I don't think we have to talk about running the ball too much. I think we'll get to that with offensive line. We didn't run the ball. What's there to talk about? Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. The receivers, uh, you know, we had the full gamut kind of sorted in this game. Romeo Dubs, nine catches, 95 yards. Uh, Jaden Reed, three catches, 55 yards. Samari Turi had one catch for 35. Christian Watson, two for 25. And that touchdown. Um, Jordan Love obviously had that one rushing touchdown too, but Watson was on that pitch count, had that, like I said, the one nice big grab. The other one was for nothing. And Romeo Dubs, I mean, he seems to be the quintessential number one right now. I feel like he's going to probably be that guy. I know there's a lot of hype on Christian Watson, but I just don't know if he'll be as consistent as Romeo. You know, we're only, what is it, like 20 games into their careers, but still, 21. yeah, <laughs> quick math. Um, it seems like Romeo's kind of gotten blamed for that INT late where what Love, not what Love said, what LaFleur said is Love was still in the pocket and what Romeo Dubs did is kind of freelance it to get open. But if he would have continued his route and looking at it back, it might have been an okay ball, might not have been picked. So who knows? Um, and like I said, Jaden Reed had the two-point conversion, that one nice deep grab. And Samari Turi, I saw it watching back today. That James Jones-esque catch on the sideline where he's like falling and he's like juggling it with the other with the guy, guy trying to pick it. draped all over him too. Unbelievable. I talked a lot of shit of, about him, you know, leading up to this, but I was happy with that. Torrey only had 11 snaps on offense. Dobbs led the receivers with 50, so I'm glad to see how it kind of came out that way finally. But what did you guys think of the receivers? Yeah, it does look like, I mean, at least in the connection department, that Dubs is the number one. I don't know what that looks like long term, but Dubs and Reed are just kind of like, they're they're the blankets. They're the safety blankets for Jordan Love, which is, I mean, I guess we were kind of all thinking Christian Watson, and maybe it does turn into that a little bit, but he does seem kind of like a home run hitter. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many targets he's going to get in the long run, but it'd be good to see him get some more snaps and have that connection a little bit and spread the ball around a little bit more. I think that gives us a little bit better chance for success. I think the interception, I don't know that I'm going to throw it on, on either guy. It seems like that's just one of those where, you yeah. know, it's a second year receiver with a first year starting quarterback. And, you know, like I was talking about last week, dubs missed some time last year. Um, so it's not like he's played a lot of NFL football either. It just feels like it's a, you know, a miscommunication between two young guys and hopefully they get it cleaned up here later on in the year. Um, I was a little bit surprised about Dontavian Weeks. Wicks, how many snaps did he even play? He only had one target after he had a couple of nice games right. in a row. 
Yeah, that was one of the things that was more of a letdown because he did outsnap Ture. Ture had 11, Watson had 26, and Wicks had 33. So he was still out there the third most out of all the wide receivers. But I don't know, still rookie receiver. But yes, in in a game where I, I keep waiting for him to just pop off on one of these games, and I'm sure that'll happen in the near future. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um Tight end, not a ton to talk about again. Luke Musgrave got a concussion. He was practicing today, though, so that's positive. That's uh, Josiah DeGuara had four receptions for like 34 yards, yep. and Tucker Craft got a little involved, had a couple catches, uh, was a bit of a liability in the run game. I know he pulled on one play and did not get to his blocker, and he had that one catch where it's like the fact that he came down with the ball <laughs> was a negative. Like we lost a yard or two on it, but. Whatever, I'll I'll let the meatball. Still a semi-impressive catch in. for being the little like double catch butterfingers, you know, mm-hmm. right away, and then like up against your helmet type of thing, and comes down with it. I don't know, it was somewhat yeah. impressive. the The only thing I'm going to say about the tight ends is I take full responsibility for Luke Musgrave's <laughs> injury. Uh, in fantasy, before the game last week, I traded Dallas Goddard and picked up Musgrave off the off the waiver wire. So it's obviously it's my fault you. for. Uh, for buying high on uh, Luke Musgrave. <laughs> yes, buying incredibly high. Yeah, I don't know. Tight, tight ends are always kind of middling players, but I'm I'm just happy that the concussion that he's already practicing again because he's it someone helps, that we really need. It helps that we have the extra days after the Thursday yep. game and then sure. playing on Monday night, it's a full day on the back end too. Kind of yep. a mini buy like we talked about last week. Yep. Uh, moving on to the offensive line. Again, the starting offensive line was from left to right. Rashid Walker, Royce Newman, Josh Myers, John Drunning, and Zach Tom. One of the worst offensive line performances in recent memory. Everyone allowed multiple pressures. Zach Tom allowed six. Royce Newman, five. John Drunning, five. Uh, Rashid Walker, four. And Josh Myers, two. Hey, good job, Josh. Um the guys were banged up too, you know, watching back. And a lot of people were saying this. Zach Tom, you could tell his knee was slowing him up John Runyon he was lucky to keep playing in that game everyone saw him get taped up and he was in a boot after the game he did not practice today um Elton Jenkins did however practice today so that's good um and David Bakhtiari is put on IR that's something that came out after last week's episode sounds like his career as a Packer might be wrapped up it does not sound like he's going to be back still I don't know that that whole thing. It's going to be. I don't know if we'll ever know what actually happened with that whole um, ordeal. Matt yesterday, when asked about David's knee, said something along the lines of, "I don't want to talk for him, but you'll want to talk to Dave about that." And Dave wants to talk to you guys about that. And he did not talk to the media today, which is a little weird. The only other thing I would add to that, and I forgot who said this, and I don't know what's going to happen in the future with Dave and his contract and all that shit, but he did elect to have to not have Pat McKenzie the um doctor whatever for the Packers their lead surgeon do his ACL surgery someone else did and I don't know much about science and doctors but I don't think he did a very good job on it so I do wonder if there's going to be some type of I don't want to say lawsuit but if the Packers are going to try to get some of this money back I feel bad for Dave you know he had a hall of fame career trajectory and it kind of took a step back with all well, the, of this shit the thing about mckenzie mckenzie not doing it i mean who did it it's not like some guy in an alley did his acl like how can you, you can't sue him for getting well, I, w- I was gonna say because 
didn't Rodgers come back to Green Bay to get his Achilles done by McKenzie nope. because he's like one of the best? No, nope, was somebody in Green Bay. Someone, nope. Someone thought that they would. There, there was kind of a rumor of that oh. that he'd have to go to Green Bay for it, but he stayed. He went to L.A. for it and had the guy who did Kobe's Achilles tendon surgery did Rodgers. Okay, surgery. but at any rate, my point being is like this is you know a nationally renowned yes. Achilles it, yeah. tendon <laughs> surgeon, right? So yeah. did Bakhtiari go to the equivalent for a catastrophic knee injury that he had? Bak- I don't. Doc- Bakhtiari went down to the Minute Clinic and got his right. done. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, Doctor Nick from The Simpsons. <laughs> it, but it's just another one of those things where you could see why the narrative and the way they've talked about it has been a little touch and go when Dave did not want to go with the team doctor to do his surgery. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, getting, getting beyond that, we don't have to talk d- about David, you know, feel bad for him, but yes. he's kind of out of the picture now. What do you guys think we should do with the offensive line? Royce Newman obviously started, was not very good. Josh Myers is out there. You know, he did, he's not terrible pass blocking, but he's just not good run blocking. And the offensive line as a whole, obviously wasn't very good. Off the top, do you, should we make some moves on the offensive line going into this Monday night game? I guess you'd have to know who's available out there. But, I mean, I would think, can we see Sean Ryan for just a minute? Yes. Like, that would be nice Please. to just see some of Sean right. Ryan. Uh, just see him. Maybe he sucks. Maybe it's a dumpster fire. Maybe we won't like it. See him. And then, yeah, man, I don't know. Is there another center out there? I mean, it's a little bit concerning, too, that Yash doesn't go in for Zach Tom, too, when Zach Tom is clearly having issues. Like, are we worried about Yash, or what's the deal with Yash, too? I don't know. Well, or or move Zach Tom over to guard, because, you know, Royce Newman isn't playing well at guard, and if Tom is a little bit limited with mobility, maybe we're able to protect that a little bit on the inside, like... We got to try something. I don't know. I, to your point, Todd, I have no idea who's who's on the street. Probably not anybody really worthwhile picking up. But give Sean Ryan a try. Give Yash a try. Try moving Zach Tom around. Like we got to try something. Good, so, good news is Rashid Walker has been playing well. You know, for the most part. I mean, this this nobody played well this week. But in general, I think Rashid Walker looks okay, which is which is amazing. I mean, that's great. Um, Caleb Jones, is there any, well, so I'm not what... saying we use him at this point, but it's at least we have a little bit of depth there. He's a monster, isn't he? Big dude. Yeah. They're all big dudes. So I, what I would do, and I don't know, Jack Diddley, and this is if John Runyon's healthy, I want to assume John Runyon's healthy for, you know, I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing, whatever it is. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a long-term thing. Maybe he'll be out this week, but if it's up to me, I would go Yasht at left tackle i would have elton at left guard i would have tom at center and maybe you can flip flop elton and tom on the left side there keep running at right guard and then rasheed walker just looks like a right tackle to me he's got them long arms but he looks a little bit more like a mauler i don't know jack diddley but that's what i would do and i just feel like getting tom center he seems to have more of a body type. He's a smart guy. They've talked about that a lot. It just seems like the natural long-term move for this offensive line. Because then, of course, you know, John Runyon's pretty solid. 
But also, if you have someone else who's kind of middling at left or right guard, which has happened, you have Tom there who I think solidifies it a little bit more. And especially with how bad we've been running the ball. Not like Zach Tom's a mauler or anything, but he can move. And uh, we've seen Myers cannot pull. You know, we've seen that too much. So that's, that's what I would do right now. I do like, you know, the potential of Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta. But I still just don't think they're better than Yash Nyman or Rashid Walker at tackle. But that's just hopefully I really I'm going to be really fucking upset if on Monday we have no moves on the offensive line because they asked Steno about it, too. And he said, we'll see. And that they're looking at everything. But that's a pretty cookie cutter coaching question or answer. I hope we try something. I mean, the Lions had five sacks in that game. They had eight tackles for loss. So even when we tried to run the ball, they stuffed us for no gain or a loss. And then Jordan Love got hit 11 times and he threw how many passes? 39, 36 passes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, he had five sacks in there. So we had, you know, 41 odd drop dropbacks or whatever, but getting hit on a quarter year dropbacks is not a recipe for success. And granted, I said this at the top, this is one of the better fronts that we're going to see in the league, but God, if you know, when we go to play Minnesota with Brian Flores, like he's just going to send the house at us uh-huh. and dare us to beat him. Well, hopefully uh, Marcus Davenport will be hurt because it seems like they don't have any real studs on that uh, on that defense right now, but we'll see. Um, that's all I had for offense. I don't think we have anything else. So with that, we will have a quick commercial break. And we are back with the defense. Eh, that's the right response. Yep, yeah, not it. not very good. Again, letting up 34 points. Again, for how much we kind of said the Packers weren't great on offense, we still put up 20 points, which could be a lot worse. But, uh, yeah, what do we think? <laughs> I don't even want to ask the question. But what do we think of Joe Barry? I think it's pretty Junk. bad. Junk. Oh. <laughs> Junk Barry. Uh, see last week, see week two, see week one, see off season. Yeah. Uh, Packers are year. ranked 32nd in run defense for EPA for yards per carry. Like I mentioned too, we're 29th for allowing. And it's just, again, I thought we had this, this great new technique that was going to be a, a game breaker in stopping the run this off season. Well, it's, I think that's kind of like the identity of the Packers is like, especially on defense through Mike Pettin, Dom Capers, Joe Barry, is we will trash the shitty teams, we'll compete with the middling ones, but sometimes if they have a competent quarterback or offensive game plan, they'll fucking kill us. But yeah, and it's just stupid shit too. Again, I don't know Jack Diddley, but only having two defensive linemen in goal line situations, not a good idea. Staying in oh. too high shells with the safeties going up against obvious running situations, especially when they have a lead and they've been running up your ass all night. And a team like Detroit, when we oh. know they're going to run the football at us. David yeah. Montgomery had 32 carries in that game. <sighs> yeah, that's the thing. And he wasn't even, he was averaging like 3.6 or 3.8 yards a carry, like nothing crazy, but it was just enough that if they ran it two or three times per series they would end up getting a first down or they'd go for it on fourth and be close enough. So that happened quite a bit, but it's tough because again, going into this year, we knew (laughs) we knew we couldn't have high expectations because Joe Barry hasn't shown it, has never shown it. This being his third defensive coordinator gig. 
And it's hard to be okay, like, you know, I said it last week too, where it's like Goody had to make this defense idiot proof by trying to get as much talent on the field as possible. I still don't know if he's drafted the correct type of bodies for a good run stuffing defense, but uh, yeah, hard, very hard or tough to be positive with this defense right now, especially schematically for what we're doing. Um, Todd, do you have something? I don't, I don't, this is, this is the Joe Barry show. It's his world. <laughs> we're living in it. Like we're just uh, at the mercy of Joe and whatever he decides to do. And it's, if we're lucky enough to force three fluky turnovers. It, yeah. yeah. It's just like, what are, I did. It's just, it's just frustrating to watch it and just be like, you can just look at it. You'd be like, I know this isn't going to work. Why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Like you just, we don't have the right people in the right spots. And it's not like you don't need to be an expert to know that. It's not like we're, you know, not like we're second guessing Todd Bowles on a defense that's creating pressure and doing it. It's like it's Joe Barry. He's doing nothing fun and he's getting no good results. So there you go. Yeah. And it sucks too because, like, the beginning of the year, it obviously was against the Bears, but it's like, wow, we're really like rallying to the ball and shit. And it's like we do kind of lose that over time. Even in just yeah. this game, that first series, it was rally to the ball rally to the ball and then force an interception like that was cool i was like oh shit maybe we are really good and it was like oh shit uh, we're we're not so <laughs> but like how defeating I, too like it's it's third and one and they're like get the tackles off the field put the corners out there like, <laughs> what, what are you doing yeah like quay know. walker's in the middle of the field making every play it's yes. just him because had, because the, the running back is getting to the second level no problem there's nobody to stop him. Yes. I, Spencer, I don't know if you can fact check me on this, but I think I saw after the game that Quay Walker set a Packers record for tackles in a game with 19. 19 yes. he had. I, I saw that after the game, and I was stunned, number one, that it was that many. And then I thought, that's the quietest 19 tackle game I've ever seen. Like, he well, had one tackle for yeah. loss. I, he didn't have any sacks. He didn't have any deflected passes. He didn't. I don't remember him having any impact plays. Like you said, it was like five yards down the field. There's Quay making the tackle. It's like, it kind of reminds me, uh, Todd, of back in high school when uh, number 18 for the Spartans for high school football. Didn't they? Didn't he just always assume Ethan made a tackle on every single play? It was like 18 on the tackle. It was, it was tackle. pretty funny. He may have been yeah. credited for like one or two extra every now and then. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, it must have been Ethan. It was a but pile. That's what it, ah, it was Ethan. Yeah, and that, I mean that's what it was with Walker. And yes, he did break. Apparently, I he broke his own record. I tried to do some digging, and it's tough to find a single game tackle record for the Packers somehow. But apparently, yeah. the previous record was seventeen from Quay last year. That's when I he saw broke too. It with nineteen. Yeah, yeah, so. seventeen and then nineteen, which is like nineteen tackles, and they're all ten yards down the field. Ugh, that's right. gross. I like the way he tackles more than like when Blake Martinez and AJ Hawk would get all these stats because it's like he's, he's rallying quicker and especially in this game there was a lot of uh, sets where he was like the only linebacker because Joe Barry doesn't know what he's doing and Isaiah McDuffie isn't very good but moving on to players corner Jair still hurt he did practice today he obviously didn't play in the Lions game Razul Douglas I mean I love Razul I love the you know the kind of style he brings to the defense too but fuck he got destroyed on that one series First, he let up that catch to Laporta where he was right there, but he couldn't finish the tackle. And then he got absolutely burnt by Amon Ross St. Brown 
on that touchdown, which I'm sure a lot of people heard after the game. Goff went up to Razul and was like, yeah, we schemed that up. We knew you were going to bite on that uh, on that little fake there. So not good. But, uh, of course, what do you know? Uh, Joe Barry's defense is able to get schemed against. Um, Valentine and Valentine. Valentine started the game with Razul out. He played okay and with that bicep injury. A lot of people thought he might have been benched because he didn't have a lot of snaps in the second half. But they put in Ballantyne because, as LaFleur said, it was a decision, a coaching decision, because they feel like he's better in the run game, which I guess is fine. And maybe you're trying to save Valentine from that injury he had. That's the way I'd like to look at it. Um, when you need to bring in a fourth string corner and run support, you know you have trouble stopping the run. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess it's nice to have some type of confidence in an uh, undrafted guy who's like his second or third year hopping around on the practice squad or whatever in the league. Um, the only other thing that I would add for the corners is Eric Stokes did practice today. So this starts the 21 days where they would have to put him on the active roster which is good. He said um, today, too, that he was recovering well and everything and what held him up. Can you can you guess what injury popped up that slowed his progress from coming back like Rashawn Gary? He had a hamstring injury. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so just part for the part for the course for these Green Bay Packers. Uh, at safety, I don't know, Darnell Savage played football. Rudy Ford had that nice pick. He graded out pretty well, too. I think he was like the third highest rated player, according to PFF. He did not practice on Tuesday, so that'll be something to monitor. But what did you guys think of the secondary? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like a little bit Fair. lackluster. Yeah, it's just, a, eh. I mean, I don't know. I, there's nothing stood out to me that was really bad. Um, I think Darnell's having an okay season so far. I don't know. It'd be good I think to get, Rudy, uh, I think Rudy's okay too. Feels like he makes a lot of plays yeah. kind of in the, in the run game. I Gets think you could probably, a, couple of balls. a really good quarterback probably just tears his secondary apart. But yep. I think yep. if it's not elite QB play... It's serviceable. Yeah. We got we got a couple C minus or D plus safeties, it seems like, depending on what we're going against. You know, yeah. like this was this was a C minus performance. We're gonna go up against some elite quarterback and we're gonna be like, Oh fuck, Rudy, what are you doing? You can't tackle anyone. That's we're going up happen. against an elite but, wide receiver in Las Vegas. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to the front seven inside linebacker. We talked about Quay 19 tackles in the one game. The record, too, I looked it up. If he had five more tackles, that is the all-time record. So 24 tackles in the game. I believe it's Luke Keekley has that. Um, Isaiah pretty, McDuffie. Pretty good player. Yeah, pretty decent player. Uh, not anymore, though, because he retired. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, he's not very good. God, I usually when it comes in at spurts, I'm like, oh, nice tackle. And then it's like, oh, wait, you are kind of small. And, you know, you he you just are Blake Martinez. You're the poor man's Blake Martinez. Uh, Rashawn Gary still played pretty well. A couple pressures still graded out as elite. He's he's first or second in pressure rate or win rate in the NFL right now. Lucas Van Ness played whatever. Preston Smith, I thought he played all right in the run game. You see him. He's just very... Again, I like think I said he's last good week. in the run game. He seems he, yeah. like he, he can hold the edge. Like he doesn't get pushed around when he moves to the inside too. And it's yeah, I don't know. He seems like he's effective. He was yeah. more active in that game than I remember him being all year. I, I, it might have been thought. last week. I said I don't know if I've seen Preston Smith. And then like that very first drive, right. he might have had one or two stops. It's like oh, there's Preston Smith. He just did seem to be around the ball like most of the game, from what I remember. Yeah. yeah. 
it's almost like in those run situations, you have to have Preston, Gary, or Lucas Van Ness out there. JJ, God, I'm watching, and I was like, I take little tiny notes. Like, they're tiny. They're just tiny little font. Um, during the game, where I was like, JJ's playing pretty well in the game. And then right when I write that down, they do the reverse, and Goff fucking pancakes him. I'm like, oh, fucking AJJ. You're going to let Jared Goff pancake you. So, I don't know. Not the best. Um Defensive line, Kenny Clark Way probably got absolutely fooled on that end around. By the way, like he was sprinting full bore at the opposite sideline as the as the dudes yeah. getting the ball in the end around. It's like, oh Quay, where are you going? Those are the worst when you're just watching someone on a reverse and you're like, oh fuck, please let they there be a safety. Please let there be a safety. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenny Clark, I don't know, had a decent game too. He he had, I don't know. Defensive line is whatever. Devonta Wyatt came back, had a sack, caused some disruption in the pass game. Slayton played. Carl Brooks, another sack for him. That's two in his rookie year, you know, not having a ton of sacks so or a ton of snaps, so that's positive. And then uh, Colby Wooden, he had a halfway decent game too, uh, even with limited snaps. He has a nice swim move that I see highlights of. He doesn't seem to be very consistent, but he's, he, I don't know, he's still a liability in the run game, but I don't know what you guys have any takes on the front seven there i don't know yeah i mean i I think like we talked about before they're hurt by everybody on this defense is hurt by the scheme and we could see everybody achieve a little bit more sans uh barry but i still have a lot of faith in this front seven i think that they could be effective especially with gary leading the way um that's a good offensive line too though i mean in the run game too and for how much they're running the ball i mean what did david montgomery have like 30 some attempts like they're 32. running the ball, and that offensive line is good. So yeah. it's tough to have. It feels our strength is definitely the pass rush. It's going to slow the pass rush down if they're running it down our throat all day, too. So, yeah, it's not a great day, but what do you expect? True. The thing that I saw specifically after this game, and I don't think it's an anomaly, is Kenny Clark graded out per PFF really poorly against the run. So I don't know if that's a scheme thing. I don't know if that's how he in particular is playing. Maybe it's just not his strength. But when our best defensive lineman grades out poorly against the run, it doesn't doesn't right. give me a lot yeah. of optimism for the rest of the front line there. I know on the stat cast or whatever that Amazon does that this was Kenny Clark got double teamed more in the first half. This might be wrong. He was double teamed more in the first half than he was in totality through the first three games. Wow. So that probably had they made it a point to just go after him. him. Yeah, weird how teams offensive uh no, teams no, no. Like Stop. scheme I to see take what you're doing away from a That's defense. Not, no, yeah. we don't do mm-hmm. that here. This is Wisconsin. Really weird. Mm-hmm. Really weird. Uh special teams, Rich Basaccia. Once again, the highest paid special teams coordinator in the league. I don't know why or when he's gonna turn this shit around. Full start on the first punt. Keyshawn Nixon runs everything out of the end zone, no matter how deep it is. Um, Jaden Reed muffs the punt. I don't think that's so much on Versace, I guess. Jonathan Owens can't tackle. He had that one where he would have pinned him on like the 15 missed tackle. They run up and get it to like the 25. We had the one nice return from Keyshawn Nixon on the punt return, and it came back because of a holding penalty from Rich Versace's uh, handpicked guy, uh, Levitt. And then we had the Quay penalty on the blocked kick. So, it's funny how the things like literally punting the ball and kicking the ball where we've been pretty good this year, right. which probably has the least amount of coaching. It's not like Rich is going up there and be like, hey, kick it with this side of your foot. 
Kick it through the uprights this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, we tried to fix the problem with, you know, specializing some players on the roster for special teams and bringing Rich in. And it simply has not worked. If nothing else, I would like to be consistent. Even if we're just average, that would be nice. But we're consistently inconsistent. And it's so infuriating, especially in a game where there is no complimentary football whatsoever. You know what we need is like a stat for like good snaps. So we can see or have the snap. Like I want somebody to do a stat for it. Like were the snaps good? Oh, I snaps had to worry about and it. holds were good. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Then we have more good things to talk about on this team. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Who would have thought? I wouldn't have thought, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. That Honors Carlson would be. Is he 100% for field goals on the year? Yeah. That's it's pretty crazy. impressive. It, it's it? very impressive. He was twenty five percent in college, and he gets to the pros, and <laughs> that, now he's hundred okay, percent. No, I need sorry, I need to fact check you on that. <laughs> that is not right. Last week you claimed that he was fifty percent in college. <laughs> he was seventy two percent in college. It's more impressive I, every week. Yes, that he I I need to stand up for my kicker. That's my kicker. There do you, you do you remember too? Like in the offs or like in the pre leading up, he was like always missing to the right. Do you think they got him like a pair of glasses? That's like. It's got like blinders on one side or like maybe it's like, you know, when you go cross-eyed and you see like double. So like he doesn't know which one. They're just like kick at the left one and then they always go in. Maybe he just got used to um, Daniel Whelan's holding. Maybe Pat was putting it a little too far to the left or right and that's why it was going on. That has to be what it was. That's the only thing it could be. be. It couldn't be anything else. It's It's one of the more surprising things is because I thought for sure it would have been an issue by now. And it has been one of the only things we can count on, which means we will absolutely miss a field goal this week. But (laughs) with that, take news for the week. Football time. Take news. Okay, take news for the week. I don't have anyone else talking about this, like a beat reporter, which I usually try to do for take news, but I wanted to talk about it. A lot of people talked about it. Kind of lame that we have to talk about it, but is Matt LaFleur too loyal? Is he too soft? We know the football team might be soft. We can't run the ball, can't stop the run, whatever. But is Matt LaFleur too loyal? And I'm I'm gonna go through all this stupid shit that I think about. So Again, the starting offensive line this week was Rasheed Walker, Royce Newman, Josh Myers, John Runyon, Zach Tom. Even though, like we talked about, and we didn't specifically mention this, but all of training camp, Sean Ryan was the backup left guard getting snaps ahead of Royce Newman. Royce Newman at the end of training camp is running with the threes. Sean Ryan had a couple snaps with the starters in training camp. But for whatever fucking reason, the coaching staff once again decided to go with the veteran over the younger player in this week and last week, or the week before that against the Falcons when Royce Newman replaced uh, Elton Jenkins. Along with that, Josh Myers is still bad at football. He's better than me, but he's not very good. And Matt LaFleur always seems to lean on these veterans, like I said, which usually seems to be a mistake. Or at least we can look at it and be like, hey, this guy isn't very good. We might not have other options, but it would be nice if we could try some things out. Part of that, another thing to talk about with Matt being too nice is the start of the season, before the season started, I don't think we talked about this, the media asked Steno, the former offensive line coach who's now the OC, what went into the call to start Rashid Walker over Yash Nyman, one on the depth chart and two when, you know, Bach went down. 
This is what Steno said. Right now, he's a backup for us, talking about Yash. That's where he's at. And football is a very competitive sport, and some guys rise to the competition, and some guys don't. So that's basically what I have to say about that. So pretty critical words about Yash Nyman, this guy who they obviously had some high hopes for. He got the second-round tender. He's getting like 4 or $5 million this year. Wasn't able to win the backup swing tackle position. The day after Steno said that, and it was a little jarring when he said it, Matt LaFleur went out of his way to find Matt Schneidman to correct what Steno said. This is what uh, Matt tweeted. Matt LaFleur wanted to speak about Yash Nyman to the Athletic after he wasn't asked about him in his press conference today in light of OC Adam Stanovich's response to a question about Yash Nyman yesterday. This is what Matt said. Well, I think it's a credit to Zach Tom for his ability to earn a position. Talk about him being the right tackle over Yash. Obviously, Rashid Walker also, you know, jumped over him with uh, the swing tackle spot too. Um, Yash is a guy we have a ton of confidence in. And I mean, I just like to talk to him. I just talked to him the other day. I've watched him perform at a high level. We watched him perform pretty well against Bosa, who is now the highest paid defensive player in football. He's going to have to play for us at some point this year. There's no doubt about it. And we got a lot of confidence in him. Once again, Matt LaFleur having to jump in and be a nice guy. That's fine, but that's just another piece of evidence of this. Again, moving on. It seems like if you were a decent draft pick or some type of veteran player on this team, you get handled with kid gloves. I hate talking like this. I feel like that fucking drunk at the bar or something who just complained about every little thing during the game, calling kids soft, all that shit. But it just, this is year four of this shit happening. And here's a list of things I could think of coaching decisions with the players that I would say were a mistake. Obviously, Captain Hindsight, but still. Billy Turner and Dennis Kelly starting over Yash Nyman in 2020 and 2021. Not a good move. Newman starting over Zach Tom last year. A.J. Dillon getting starter snaps and the snaps that he gets. Amari Rogers, the punt returner. Dean Lowry getting starting snaps as long as he did. Sammy Watkins getting snaps as long as he did over Dobson Watson. That one's iffy. Remember Will Redman? Remember how bad he was and how often he fucked up on defense? Kevin King injured playing over Tremont Williams in 2021. And then I would even argue Jonathan Anthony Johnson Jr. not suiting up over Jonathan Owens, who was a free agent signing. That one's iffy too. But that's the coaching. That, you know, That's the lineup shit that keeps seemingly happening. Then there's the coaching staff. Said this this offseason, but I'm going to say it again. After going 8-9, and nine, Matt LaFleur decided to keep his entire coaching staff. After every previous year, he at least moved on from one coach. The only member who didn't return was Jerry Gray, who was the most respected position coach on the team. And it, there was kind of not a mutiny last year, but you could tell the secondary wanted to play one way and Joe Barry wanted to play another way. Um, Jerry Gray was asked about playing up at the line and he said, oh, it's not my scheme. You have to talk to Joe Barry about that. That was obviously not a very good sign. Going along with the nice guy and how Matt values people being good guys, good humans, here is a quote. <laughs> I'm such a loser. I'm a psychopath. I thought of this again during the week. I went back because I remember him saying it. This is Matt LaFleur from the owners meetings back in like April or May when they asked him about hiring Greg Williams, to the defensive backs coach, to replace Jerry Gray. I think just overall person, you always hear me talk about hiring the, per the man first, the coach second. I think he is an unbelievable person. 
so I know it's dumb. It's kind of mic- not micromanaging, but it's diving a little too deep like a psychopath, like I am. And it's obviously not the only thing that he's looking at, but it seems to be a larger aspect that he's focusing on rather than actual coaching. So obviously there should have been some coaching changes last offseason. Joe Barry, perhaps you could have hired Vic Fangio. Uh, Joe Barry is a Vic Fangio disciple and you could have hired the mastermind of the defense that he's trying to run. You look at last year, we hired Aubrey Pleasant. I don't know if you guys remember this. Aubrey Pleasant was the Lions secondary coach and pass game coordinator on defense. He was fired like midway through the season when the Lions had the worst secondary in the league. He was fired the week before uh, they played the, the Lions played the Packers. Well, Matt LaFleur hired him on, um, and this is what he said about Aubrey Pleasant when he uh, when it was announced that he would be part of the staff. Quote, he's a really knowledgeable guy when it comes to the game. I thought he could bring a different perspective to our offensive staff just seeing it through the lens of a defensive coach. He's going to do a lot of self-scout work for us. How did the Packers do in the games where they played against the Lions, his former team? They scored nine points and 16 points. This is the guy who we hired on who we had previously worked with with it with the Rams in LA uh nine points and 16 points pretty bad for a guy who came onto the staff to help self-scout also this offseason Matt hired Tim Lester who's an offensive senior assistant that used to that Matt used to be his backup when they both played at Western Michigan Tim coached at Western Michigan recently where he was fired last year after going five and seven overall he was 37 and 32 as a coach also, on top of that, you guys remember who was outside of uh, the Badgers defensive coordinator? What's his name again, Billy? I know Jim, you know. Jim Leonard. So Jim Leonard was first offered the job, then it was offered to Joe Barry. The runner-up was, uh, I'm going to fuck his name up, Ijiro Evero, who was a secondary coach yep. for the Rams. The young, talented safety coach, once again, uh, Matt LaFleur elected to go with the veteran Joe Beery, who he had worked with as well for even longer and has more experience. Bottom line, Matt LaFleur is a nice guy. You know, I'm a nice guy too. I probably had Andrew be part of the podcast way too much last year. You know, sometimes maybe just got to move on. He'll be back. Don't worry about that. I'm sure everyone's waiting for him. But it's like when it comes to players and coaches, it seems emotions and loyalty get in the way too much with Matt LaFleur. What do you guys think? I mean, I think you, 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 there's obviously a lot, a lot wait, way too much. to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in a lot of those situations that you mentioned, you can make an argument one way or the other, right? Like, Absolutely. There's definitely a lot we don't know, and there's some things that are probably defensible in there, and you know, going with good people is not a bad idea. True. I mean, I, it's very football coach speak, too, to just say that a guy is a better person than a coach, right? It's very football talk. Yes. Whether it's true or not. I would say though, it's the, it's the laundry list of things that makes you start to go, okay, well, yes, you could probably, def- you know, make an argument one way or the other on all of these things individually, be able to add them all up. It just doesn't sound so great when you put it all together. And then, you know, obviously we know that he's pretty soft in in general and like yeah not my preferred coaching style for a head coach or a leader um so yeah i don't there's there's definitely plenty to be critiqued so yeah i don't know it's tough it's a tough look here's where i come down on it i 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is unique to the Packers. I think that every single team in the league has issues like this, and we're just not privy to them because we're Packers fans and not Seahawks fans. I'm sure that you could ask any diehard fan of any team, and they could come up with a big laundry list of issues and complaints that they have with the coaching staff or the front office or whatever. But I think it's more of an organizational issue than a Matt LaFleur issue. Like I go back, I mean, how long did we hold on to Mike McCarthy when it was clear that it was not working and that, you know, that a change had to be made? How long did we hold on to Mike Pettin? How long did we hold on to Dom Capers when it was clear that the writing was on the wall? And I'm sure that we could go back even further and talk about, you know, different players from the McCarthy era and Ted holding on to draft picks because they were draft picks and there was that sunk cost fallacy. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's just LaFleur, but I wonder if it's more of an organizational thing. And the only common thread between all of those tenures is Mark Murphy. And that's once again, why I always bring up this shit with the structure of the franchise. Cause I think he, the not knowing exactly how everything is structured is what fucks this all up. And I think that's one of the reasons why Joe Barry has, you know, stuck around. Um, and I talked about this in the past too, but Again, it was Darren Rizzi, who should have been our special teams coordinator, and then Mark Murphy stepped in and said, no, we're not going to pay him that much. That started all this shit. So now now Matt's going to be more defensive and you know loyal to these guys that he's hiring because he wants to you know show that he's hiring the right guys and all this shit. The other thing I forgot to mention, too, one of the worst parts about bringing Joe Barry back was it was like the day after we lost to the Lions last year and the season was over. And Matt already decided that he was coming back. He, you know, he d- didn't deep dive or any of that shit. He already decided that he was going to come back. So I don't know. And it's again, and it's why I a little pessimistic coming into this year is I wonder what kind of drama will happen if say, I don't know, say we finish like six and 11 or something like that. I wouldn't be shocked if Mark Murphy fires Matt LaFleur. Because just the way he acts in these pressers this year, it's been very weird. He's been he's been quick to anger. <laughs> he's been quick to shut down questions. And we saw last week how he like yelled at Pete Daughtry for uh, Packers News, the Green Bay Gazette or whatever. I wonder if he is a little worried about his job security. And I think Wildia said this too, where it might be tied to Joe Barry after sticking with him last year. I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, well, fuck, if if you're if you're going to waste another year of this franchise with this fucking nincompoop as the defensive coordinator, we might, your job might be on the line too. I don't know. I hope not. I still like Matt as a head coach. I don't love him. I think he'd be a great offensive coordinator, but it's still pretty tough to feel confident in the way he manages people when it comes to players and coaches, but... I don't know. That's just me. Matt LaFleur is always the good cop in a good cop, bad cop situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What What was that? Paul Rudd and uh, uh, what's his name? Seth Rogen and uh, Pineapple Express. Aren't those the good cop, bad cop? Whatever. I, I, don't, I don't need it. We don't need pop culture references. With that, uh, we'll move on to a new segment. If I have a drop or not, maybe there'll just be silence here, but Dumb Packer Twitter shit of the week. Dumb, 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 dumb
dumb Packer Twitter shit of the week. So we were going to talk about fan, uh, I don't know, the ways fan acts, fan etiquette last week. And what do you know, it got to bounce up again this week. First thing to talk about is the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown and the incurring Lambo Leet. Lambo Leet, Um This is from Ari Mirov on Twitter. He's one of kind of the aggregators, but he covers a lot of shit. He posted a video of the Lambo Leap and a fan pouring the beer on Amon Ra, and he said a Packers fan poured beer on Lions wide receiver Amon Ra St. Brown after he did the Lambo Leap. Not a great look. And a lot of people on the old Twitter, social media were saying, keep it classy. You shouldn't do that. All of this. A lot of people agreed. A lot of people disagreed. Um, I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys think? How should a opposing fan be treated if they do the leap at Lambo. I pour two beers on him next time. Like get him out. Don't let him jump up into the stands and Lambo leap in our stadium. Get him out of there. I mean so like he, what is the he, bad look? Like that's the that's the most aggro thing anybody did on that field was pour a beer on on mm-hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown. That was the that was the you know the toughest thing anybody did in that stadium on Thursday, especially in the first half. Oh my gosh! Like he also we... jumped into a group of Lions fans, so it's not like it was Packers fans True. welcoming him with open arms. True. Uh oh, Billy. So so what? You, do you think the beer should not have been poured on Amon Ra? Hmm? I think it's inappropriate to pour a beer on a dude. So here here's my thought. Number one, stay the stands. If in. you are Matt Lafleur, if you want if you want your guys to do Lambo leaps. It's going to become an iconic thing around the league, and it's on these guys' bucket list to do a Lambeau leap. Like, it's just cool. It's the same thing with college football when the opposing team does jump around a Camp Randall Stadium. Are we going to try and tell these 18-year-old kids that they can't jump around because they're not Wisconsin Badgers? No. If they want to do a Lambo leap, fine. If they do it into a group of Packers fans, my expectation as a Packers fan would be that they push them back. If they do it into a group of Lions fans, congratulations. Maybe we shouldn't have sold our tickets to the Lions fans. Mm-hmm. And number two, if we don't want the Lions to be doing the Lambo leap, maybe our defense should try a little <laughs> bit fucking harder. Well, that's not an option, Billy. We can't stop them. So we have to we have to pour beer on them. That's the only option we have. So, but I'm but. The the what I'm most upset about is you're gonna buy a fifteen dollar beer at Lambo and you're gonna pour it on Amon Ross St. Oh, Brown's head. That would be the oh, if I so because we were gonna talk about it last week because in the Saints game Jimmy Graham scored and did a Lambo leap and a Packer fan fucking patted him on the shoulder pads when he came. I I was like escort this man out of the stadium. I don't give a shit about the beer. That guy sees his tickets. Oh my god, he should not be at Lambo Field. And I'm fine with opposing opposing players doing the Lambo leap. That's okay. But if you are electing to jump into other people at an opposing stadium, you have waived all rights. You can get a beer poured on you. Yes. What it reminded me of the first time I'd ever seen it, and I don't know if you guys remember this, was fucking Fred Smoot back in the day. One of the first NFL network games on Thursday Night Football where Fred Smoot for the Vikings picked off Brett Favre, returned it for a touchdown. He jumped into the stands. There weren't any Viking fans. And I kind of respect it because he jumped into the stands immediately, just like forearm pushed away, and <laughs> someone from like two rows back just threw his beer on him. I'm like, that is fair game. If you can't pour beer on a guy who's jumping in front of you, I think that should absolutely be allowed. I, I would, if I'm in that spot, 
I am being aggressive and I am, I don't care. I'm ruining those fans moment with their player <laughs> and pushing him. I, I would say I feel threatened. He was jumping at me. I wanted to protect myself because that shit cannot fly at Lambeau Field. That's, again, how we're kind of losing this mystique with the cold Lambeau teams coming to Lambeau. You know, Sauce Gardner with a fucking cheese head. I remember Chad Johnson back in the day when him and Steve Smith were going back and forth with those touchdown celebrations. He did the Lambeau leap at Lambeau too. Mm -mm. You can do it at your stadium. You can try it at Lambeau, but whatever happens, happens. That's the way I view it. I think a couple things. I think it's a fair point that if there are, I mean, we shouldn't let the Lions fans, we should, there shouldn't be six Lions fans all together in the end zone to jump into. That's issue number one. Yes. But I also do think if you jump into the stands, you just waived all your rights. Like you, anything can happen. You can get pushed, whatever. I mean, I would hope it's nothing crazy. I don't think throwing a beer at somebody in a football game is crazy. I don't know yeah. that I would throw my beer, but I don't think like, I just don't think it's an issue. It's probably kind of funny too. Like if you're yeah. I'm on Ross St. Brown, you're probably going back after you score a touchdown, you're going back to the to the sidelines laughing like you know, some jackass just threw a beer at me or whatever. Like Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I it's in good fun, I think, for the most part. I don't think it's anything malicious. But unless you're cro- you're caught in the crossfire and you end up with a, a neck full of beer too. That I would I, not enjoy that very much. I'd feel bad if I got beer on like an opposing fan when I was throwing. I would feel bad. Yeah, about I would that, feel more bad if it's, about the if fan, it's on the, not player, the player. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. I the mean, fan they, doesn't make the choice. I mean, it can, I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah, it's. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, players they get blood, sweat, and sometimes piss if you're Mike Daniels on their jerseys and pants. <laughs> so, who really, you know, what's a little bit of beer? Whatever. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that obviously a lot more so was probably talked about after the game was the whole gold package fiasco and how many blue jerseys and Lions fans we saw at Lambeau. A lot of Lions fans there, a little embarrassing. You know, it was kind of the same thing week 17 last year, and they traveled pretty well. Even opening kickoff in Kansas City, they showed up pretty well. Packer fans were complaining about it on Twitter, saying abolish the gold package. I saw someone even sort of like a petition to uh, abolish the gold package, like I said. And once again, I'm going to throw this clip in here. This is Jason Wildey talking about... You know, something that might have played a part into why the gold package and Lions fans were there on a Thursday night football game. Bob Harlan, I told you guys this last night, he would make very few requests. Ron Wolf wanted him to request that we never have three straight road games. That was his one request. Okay. Yeah, because when they won it in 96, they had two three-game road trips. So is that, that right? That really pissed off Ron Wolf. So that was one. Okay. Two, we'd like to have as many games in December as possible. Okay? Fair. But the biggest request that Bob Harlan would give that wasn't football-driven, because those two are football-driven, obviously, was please don't give us Monday night games or Thursday night games in the second or fifth home game on our schedule, because those are the Milwaukee games and Bob Harlan didn't want people having to drive back on I-43 or wherever they're going back to Madison on 41 and then having to go to work. Good the next caveat. day. That's what, and, and he also knew that pragmatically for the team, those tickets were more likely to be sold. Now, back then 
You weren't putting them on StubHub or these other SeatGeek and whatever else where anybody, including the opposing fans, were able to get more access to them. It's a different ball game now. You couldn't go to the game back in the 90s. You were selling your tickets to your neighbor who was willing to do what Jesse did and stay up late and get back late. Now, Mm -hmm. that's how you end up with a Lambeau field that has that much of the opposing color. And I so didn't think Mark they were Murphy, that big of a factor either. Yeah. I, does Mark Murphy make that same request? And then the other question I no. have is, okay. My understanding is no. So, again, after listening to that, and I, I don't like Mark Murphy. And it, it, honestly, it's not something that I've thought about a ton. But when you had Bob Harlan, who was, I don't know if the Packers would still be in Green Bay if we didn't have Bob Harlan as president. If we had Mark Murphy as president instead of, you know, if we did, if we switched him out, I don't know if the Packers would have stuck in, in Green Bay. But the fact that Mark Murphy, Murphy hasn't thought about this and put in that request, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, does, He's more worried about the title town district. And the draft. You know, you got to get the draft to Lambeau. But something like this, which is embarrassing, you apparently don't put in that request. Just another of the several reasons why I do not like Mark Murphy. I just wanted to throw that in there. I don't know if you guys have anything on that. I was just going to say I like the idea in there of not picking the gold package games until after the schedule is out. And just yep. just throw them on a noon game or something like that. I don't know. With that, we will have, is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right, is Kyle an idiot for the week? I believe you guys are six and three on the season. I assume it's been two and one every single week, right? That feels about right. Yeah. Okay, cool. First question of the week: Devonte Adams plays for the Los Angeles or Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. True. What other two yeah, retired? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what other two retired Packers receiving greats also played for the Raiders? Bonus if you give me three. Oh, so it cut out a little bit there. It sounded like you were asking what other receiving greats played for the Raiders. What two retired Packers receiving greats played for the Raiders? Give me the third if you want a bonus. Jordy Nelson, and then Billy, you're going to have to get the third one. I think Billy's got it. James Lofton. Very good. Yes, very good. Bonus points. Two and the bonus points for that. I I make the rules. Three, let's go. We'll we'll see we'll see how it rolls out. Maybe if you get one of these other ones wrong, whatever. Okay. Second question. This is a layup too. I feel like, but I'm a loser. What former Packer is on the Raiders coaching staff? Former Packer on. Is it Al Harris? Was it? He's on a coaching staff somewhere. My my silence. Yeah, silence is could be a clue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought you guys would get I, this. I am not good with the uh, former Packers on coaching staffs because it could be some guy as uh, obscure as Marquand Manuel. Can you tell me what side of the ball he coaches on? Offense. So it's offense. not Marquand Manuel. Correct. Was he? He was an offensive player too. Yes, obviously. Okay. It'd be a fun transition. Um, okay, here we know. go. This might give it away. He was also an offensive coach for the Packers. James Campen. No, since you guys both guessed, damn, I'm surprised. It, you're going to, Billy, I think you're going to be pissed. Edgar Bennett. 
Edgar Bennett oh. is still coaching with the Raiders after yeah. he moved on from the Green Bay yeah. Packers. A couple other, I, I was like scrolling through the coaching staff. As assistants and other shit, they have Danny Amendola, Antonio Pierce. I don't know if you remember him, the linebacker for the Giants. Deuce Gruden, John Gruden's son. <laughs> no, well, he's a strength the guy, Raiders. right? Yep, yep. And yeah. then on top of that, Rob Ryan is an assistant senior oh, wow. guy too. So they got all the fucking you, characters. You talk over about there. nepotism in the league. Like <laughs> Rob Ryan is a perfect example of that. How long he stuck around just because of his uh, dad? Yeah. All right. Al Harris is on a team somewhere, isn't he? He's coaching he, somewhere. He's with the Cowboys still, I believe, under Mike oh, McCarthy. Him and Tolzien. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Actually. Rob yeah, Davis is down there. No, Rob Davis got fired last year. That was that was no the, really. That was the sacrificial lamb that uh, Jerry Jones made Mark, Mike McCarthy <laughs> move on from <laughs> wow. for him to keep his job. Yeah, I think Rob Davis might be back with the Packers. Even I'm, I, I think he might be back with the Packers. But don't uh, fact check me on that. But I'm, well, I'm, good for him if factually correct. Yeah, there you go. All right, one and one. Last one. Ooh, you guys got or two and one. one, but yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Who were the two starting safeties in 2011 after Nick Collins went down with his neck injury? The medical doctor is one. The medical doctor? What? No, 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 MD no, no, Jennings. No. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say no. you're wrong on that. That's that's so two, 2011, 2011, 2014. Remember was the f- oh, failure, that's right? right? 2011. 2012 was the fail, Mary. And it was just the question is, who are the two safeties? Yep. One was a second round pick. The other was an undrafted player, I believe. I've always thought of him as an undrafted player, at least. Was it like Morgan, would have been Burnett? Morgan Burnett? Was he a second? That's one of them. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's Burnett, who was starting who was along Collins, so who replaced him? Who replaced Collins? So Atari Bigby started in Super Bowl forty five. Was it Atari Bigby? I I guess it's to the point where you guys got to tell me what your final answer is. Just go with Atari. I don't Let's know. go with Atari Bigby. Nope, it was Charlie Pepra. Oh, oh yeah, bounced around a bit. I believe he left the Packers, came back, and it's one of those two where I remember Charlie against the Giants in that wild card game, just fucking checking. It might have been Plaxico. It might have been. God, that other receiver, who did they have? Hakeem Nix just bounced right off him and ran it in for a touchdown before half. So I think Charlie Pepper is a coach or a scout in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um, but yeah, Billy, do you have a, a... So yeah, whatever. You guys are two and one for the week. I'll give you that bonus point. It will, it'll keep it easy to remember next week. Um, <laughs> Billy, do you have a stump spinny for me? I do. Perfect. The Green Bay Packers and the current... Las Vegas Raiders have played 14 total matchups in their history with the Packers leading the series nine to five and having won the last eight in a row. Okay. On Monday night, they will play in the fifth different stadium in the series at Allegiant Stadium. What are the other four? Oh, God. Uh, Charlie Pepper is a scout for the Packers right now, by the way. So I was I was right on that. Um. Well, Lambo. So you're saying all the stadiums, right? Yep, four four other stadiums. That so it's played in. So it's Lambo. It's that's that's one. Uh, County City Stadium, whatever in Milwaukee, right? Nope. No. Nope. Shit. Okay. Well, it would. The so it's 
wherever the athletics play, right? When they were doing yep. that shit, when so, you would see the baseball field. So that's gone by a lot of different names. Oakland Alameda <laughs> County Coliseum, Networks Associates, McAfee Coliseum, O.co Coliseum, oh, God, Ring Avery. Central Coliseum. Just a, anyway, that, that's all one stadium. It all counts. I'm not going to get the other ones. You might so as well just tell me. remember that the Raiders spent a stint in L.A., Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Wasn't that where Woodson played his final game, too? Yep. Yeah. So, L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Okay. Coliseum. And then the last one is the Orange Bowl in Super Bowl Two. Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> Damn. So I, th- a- I thought that was pretty interesting that, I mean, if not for that short stint in L.A. and then Super Bowl Two. The yeah. Packers and Raiders have essentially only played at two stadiums. Yeah, wow. that is it. Because I thought for sure it would have been like three different stadiums at least with the Raiders. But right. yeah. Huh. Yep. Cool. Well, there you go. That That is a fun fact. And you, you gosh darn stumped me. Um, what fun we all learn there. You know, else is also fun. New football games. The Packers are playing the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is at 7.15. We are back to finally getting our or uh you know our nice warm soft blanket and uh glass of milk at night with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman who are so used to announcing games for us the Raiders are 1 in 3 Packers are 2 point favorites right now in Vegas the over under is 44 and a half points the Raiders are not obviously very good like i said they're 1 in 3 on offense they're 25th in points per game only scoring 15 and a half they're also 26th in yards per game on defense they're 24th in allowing points per game yards per rush they're 31st um on offense only getting three yards per carry if you think we're bad they're even worse um opponent completion percentage maybe jordan love has a chance here they're 27th allowing 70 percent completion percentage and then they also throw a lot of picks no one throws more picks than the raiders so far this year they also Derek carr was uh Derek Derek carr jimmy g <laughs> jimmy g was hurt last week um but something to look at last week, they played the Chargers, and the defense was actually pretty good. They held Justin Herbert to 167 yards, the lowest in his career, and a 54.2 completion percentage, which is the lowest since last year, or since 2021, the last game of the season. They had 80 yards and zero points in the second half on defense and posted two sacks, six tackles for a loss, eight pass breakups, and five QB hits, uh, along with one interception. It was their best defensive performance in a long time, so maybe they'll keep that rolling on offense. Like I said, Jimmy G is in the concussion protocol, so he could play. Uh, If he doesn't, it would be Aiden O'Connell, who started for them last week. You guys might have seen the meme of him. I don't think it's a meme. It's just a picture of him wearing a shirt that says, looks like Farva plays like Farv, because he's got kind of a fat face, and it looks like Farva from uh, Super Troopers. Is there no Brian Hoyer? Brian Hoyer is also on the team, but they elected to go with the rookie okay. instead of Hoyer. Um, they also have a guy named Devontae Adams at wide receiver, who's pretty oh. good. He did get a little banged up last week, but it sounds like he's going to play. Josh Jacobs at running back. Jacoby Myers receiver. Hunter Renfro as well, who's kind of... God, he was really good two years ago, and he has not uh, kept that going. Austin Hooper at tight end, and then they also have Myers, the Notre Dame tight end rookie. Uh, defense, Max Crosby is still good. He has four sacks on the season. And like I said, they had one pick last week. 
That's the only pick they have all season, and they've forced zero fumbles. So they don't force a lot of turnovers. But uh, yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders, the first time we're playing them in Las Vegas, I'm sure... I'm very curious to see how many Packer fans are going to be there because this is like the one game where it's like, well, shit, if you're going to go away for a, yeah. for a Packer game, Vegas is a pretty decent place to go. So should be an interesting game on Monday night. Todd, what do you think? What do you think about the Raiders? Hmm? Um, yeah, it'd be a bounce back game, I think. I think, we, I think it's going to be a good game for us. I don't know. the They have a decent receiving core, just nobody to throw the ball. You know, so that's kind yeah. of an interesting aspect too to them. Kind of maybe a little bit of the opposite of us with our, you know, receiving core. It's pretty young, but and then doesn't seem like their old line is that great. I don't know if you said anything about them there, but it'll be nice to see the pass rush up against you know a team that can't run the ball very well, and then maybe be able to tee off a little bit on whoever's back there. So and yeah. this it will be played. It's indoors, but it is played on grass. They wheel the grass in and out at. Uh... At their stadium. They so, would be proud. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not a super quick. God, I'm slurring my words. Two beers apparently was enough for me tonight. But uh, they won't have the quick speed rushers, at least on the edge, which kind of happens with turf games. Billy? Maybe you said this already, but is Jimmy going to play or not? He's uh, a quick Google search. He did not practice today and that he's still in the concussion protocol. So, you know, they don't play until Monday. I would... I. You know, gun to my head, I would think Jimmy's going to play, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is one of those games where you go into it and they're if they end up going against Jimmy G, you go, oh, well, he doesn't scare me. And then Devontae goes off for 140 yards and two scores and Hunter Renfro catches 12 passes for no reason yeah. other than he's playing Green Bay. And yeah. Josh Jacobs rushes for 120 yards and all of a sudden you're going, well, shit. That being said, if we play Aiden O'Connell, then it's that it feels like that classic game, like you said earlier, where we play a crappy quarterback and we intercept four passes and Joe Barry is the greatest defensive coordinator, <laughs> well, not in the history of the earth, but certainly in Packers history in the last week. Yeah, he buys some good karma for at least like three weeks yes. or something with the fans. Yeah, and God, I'm sure you guys saw it last week too, but it was one of those things where Khalil Mack is just a really like slept on player like he hasn't made you know he hasn't popped up a lot since the bears traded him away and then last week what six sacks against <laughs> against the raiders which i guess was, was his former team too so that was a nice little you know get back game for him but i don't know it does feel like you know right now we're two and two we don't have super high expectations kind of a rebuilding year but this is a game we should absolutely win and that kind of scares me where it's like, well, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a bit of a letdown game. And because the, the Raiders are, you know, back against the wall here, too. Yeah. W- wouldn't be shocked if they come out and play pretty well. Uh, the other thing I'd add, too, is God. And he's like the poster boy for this. These these Patriots coaches. I always thought Josh McDaniels would be at least OK. Like he would have a decent year coaching eventually. But he sucked with the Broncos he has not been good with the Raiders, and it seems to keep going on here. You know, I don't know, because he was even, <laughs> I remember when we were looking at new coaches, we uh, we interviewed Josh McDaniels, too, and that Zach Jacobson on Twitter, who has put in his bio that he's a beat, 
he's a beat reporter when he's he is credentialed, but I've never seen him at a press conference or heard his voice at a press conference or whatever. He reported in 2018, 2019, whatever, that Josh McDaniels was going to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, he actually is not the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. But <laughs> predictions, I'll start things off. Again, I, you know, I feel we better win this game. If we lose this game, it might start something bad, kind of like around this time last year where we were kind of, you know, I think I believe we were three and one, but we were kind of just barely making it past some of these teams. I mean, if you do remember the Saints game, we should be one and three right now. I don't want to say that, but we should be one and three right now. Uh, I have the Packers winning 24 to 21 in this football game. Todd? I'm going to say 31-18 bounce back game. Ooh, that would be cool. I would I would like that. That would be that. fun. Yeah, very Optimist. fun. I'm going to say 30-23 to 23 Packers. Ooh, uh-oh. It's not good. I think this is the first time we've all picked us to win. So that could, that could only lead we, to good things. I, probably week one we all week picked one, us I to think win. We, right? Yeah, okay. That's so fair. good yep. news. Uh, I, so I that's good news. Yeah, we're we're 1-0 in games where we all pick the Packers to win. Bold predictions. <sighs> Again, these are also really hot. Last week I had two tight end touchdowns. Todd, I think you had two picks along with one being a game winner. And Billy, you had 75 yards and a touchdown for Luke Musgrave, who got a concussion. After one catch for one yard, yes. <sighs> yeah, that was a bummer. So, like I said, I have a score of 24 to 21. I have Anders Carlson hitting a game-winning field goal in the Battle of the Kicking Bastards with uh, Daniel Carlson, his brother, kicking for the Raiders. That is my bold prediction for this game. Okay, I'm going to say bold prediction for me is going to be two Christian Watson Watson touchdowns. Is that bold enough? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that that would be fun, so I I will accept it. Ah, yes. He only had two catches last week, so that works for me. Two touchdowns, right. two catches, yeah. I'm going to say Preston Smith gets his first two sacks of the season. Ooh, I like that too. Yeah, he hasn't uh I don't even know if he's gotten that close to getting a sack this season, but I can't bitch too much cuz he's still he's the steady veteran that we need at the at the edge. Did spot, you but, see who the yeah, the Raiders right sure. guard is? What was that? Did you see who the Raiders' right guard is? I saw that Greg Van Roten is on the team. That yeah, would be that's him. Who it is. is he starting for them? I, I was wondering if I should throw him in as a trivia question, but I didn't think you guys knew who he was. It's He's kind of like uh, Lawrence Guy with the Patriots, who Lawrence Guy was a guy who we drafted in the seventh round and cut, and he's yeah. had like a 10-year career. And Greg uh-huh. Van Roten, he was like an undrafted dude who stuck around on the practice squad one or two years, and this is his ninth year in the NFL, which is pretty impressive. I didn't realize he was actually started starting, so good according for to According to ESPN, so take, yep. okay. take that with a grain of salt. I mean, either way, a nine-year career as an undrafted guy with the last name Rotten, that's that's pretty that's pretty sweet in my book. Get it? Because it was a pun, Rotten. Is, is Marshall Newhouse still in the league? No, he's been retired for two years, I think. That's, he was at the Pats for a while, wasn't he? He's he's he a guy. Giants. I want oh, to. The Giants. Not like we interview anyone, and I always get like anxiety with reaching out to players. But I would love to talk talk to Marshall Newhouse because he's played for like six or seven different teams, and he kind of stepped in in a weird year. One, he was on the practice squad when we won the Super Bowl, and then twenty eleven or twenty twelve, he started and got absolutely demolished against the Seahawks. But he's jumped around for a bunch of different teams, and he was always. 
I don't know. You you could do worse than Marshall Newhouse mm-hmm. as a backup tackle, and I feel like he got a lot of flack when he played for the Packers. But uh, feels yeah. like we've had a couple of those guys. Marshall Newhouse, Lane Taylor was one. Yeah, Lane um, Taylor was good. Don Barkley sucked. Jason Spring sucked. Um, got oh another question I was thinking about. Alan Barber. You remember Alan Barber? He was another guy who kind of putzed around in the league for a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I've got. You guys got anything else? That's all I got. Very cool. Okay, well, with that, if uh, you want to leave a review, that would be fucking sweet. Five stars on iTunes, Spotify. Leave a review. We will send you a koozie. You can DM us on Twitter, PMP Pod, or email us at pmppodcast at gmail.com. Give us our, your address. We'll send you a free koozie. Yada, 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 whatever. Um. Again, I don't have anything else. You guys still? Do you have anything? Todd, it looks like you want to say something. No, I don't. No. I, I'd like to win this week. I don't know. Is that <laughs> worth saying? I just I just like to see a win. Is that asking too much? Yeah, I just want to see a win. I want to sit down on... I just want to sit down on Monday night. I want to have a beer, and I just want to watch the Packers win. I don't yeah. care how. I think that's fair. It would really suck to have a Thursday game, and then a Monday game, and then wait that long after the lot... Like, two NFL Sundays without watching your team, and then have us yeah. come out and lose. That would be a bummer. And then I go agree. into the bye... On a game losing streak. <laughs> Forgot that. That would not be fun. There'll be a lot to self scout. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll have there to will get, be uh, anyway. Aubrey just, Pleasant back. Just don't have Audrey Pleasant do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, uh, we don't have anything else. So, Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. Who's the guy from that movie? Dana Carvey. It, he looks like him. You've you've heard that uh, 9-11 fun fact about that movie. So I'm not up to date on my 9-11 fun facts. Sorry, it, it's gone viral a couple times on, on the old Twitter. Um so as you all remember, 9-11 happened in the past. I, yep. I was around for it. That's so, actually correct. <laughs> when it happened, um, <laughs> they were filming the movie Master in Disguise. Oh, and when it actually when it actually happened and the news got broke, they like got the whole crew together, and someone like came over and broke the news. And they're like, "Hey, um, just everyone's aware, you know, um, two planes just hit the twin towers. Maybe this was the day after or something like that." So, um, so we like to just have like a moment of silence <clears throat> for the lives lost in nine eleven. And then Dana Carvey was in the full turtle costume. For that moment, and he like bowed his head or whatever for the moment of silence while dressed as the turtle from uh, Master of the Sky. 